Welcome to the Build My Online Store podcast, where we discuss everything and anything about running an online store. If you like the podcast, sign up for the mailing list to get news and updates at buildmyonlinestore.com. And now, here's your host, Terry Lynn. everybody, welcome to episode 78 of the Build My Online Store podcast. I'm your host, Terry. And this week, we'll be talking about the art of winning back lost customers with Will Evans from Chiefs. And so the idea for this episode came from episode 105 over at Foolish Adventure with Tim Conley, where he talked about three ways to grow your business. And so the framework of that episode was how do you grow your business by 30% or more? And so 30% sounds kind of overwhelming when you just look at that. You know, it's a high, mid-teens, double-digit numbers. But when you break it down into three dimensions, it becomes much less daunting. And so in that episode, he talks about increasing your customers by 10%, increasing your price across the board by 10%, or increasing the frequency of purchase by 10%. And when you have all these three things happen together, just 10% each, uh, the cumulative effect is much more than 30%. It's around 33.3, uh, something like that, because it's actually multiplied. And so so number three is what we're talking about today, increasing the frequency of purchase with your customers. And so we'll talk about how to do this in an e-commerce environment uh, with Will Evans over at Sheets. And so a lot of marketing we talk about uh, either on this show or kind of generally is all about number one, right? Finding new customers, maybe a little bit about pricing, but really not that many people talk about increasing the frequency of purchasing. We're getting repeat customers coming back. So that's what we'll be focusing on today. And Will just mentioned some templates he uses for discount codes and kind of some images he uses. So I'll attach these in the show notes. This is episode 78 over at buildmyonlinestore.com. And before we get into this, if you have an e-commerce store and you're making your own products, you own your brand, uh, you're building something that you come up with an own idea on your own, and I'll be kicking off some mastermind calls in the middle of January. So what I'll do is I'll take 10 listeners and I'll split them into two groups, uh, five groups each. We'll do a Google Hangout every two weeks. Uh, each call will be about 1.5 hours. And the gist of it, is that the point is to have two or more minds working together openly to solve a business problem. So if you already have a store, maybe you're having some marketing issues, uh, we can just work through your problems with uh, five other people. And so what I'll do is I'll be the moderator to make sure nobody, A, is in direct competition of each other and that the revenue levels and kind of where everyone's at is around the same level because I don't want someone to have, say, like a $2 million business with someone that's just starting out with 100 k the, the mismatch it just wouldn't be there. So I'll make sure that we have a good fit. And so if you're interested in this, uh, well, before we get into that you also must be willing to openly talk about your store. So uh, talking about your struggles, uh, giving ideas, taking feedback, all that kind of thing, because that's the way that really uh, makes a mastermind successful. So if you're interested, check out buildmyonlinestore.com. I'll click on the mastermind tab and enter your email. I'll send out the details before the end of this year. And I uh, hope to see you guys next year and looking forward to do these calls. So let's get into this week's episode. <music> So listeners, welcome to the show. Today, I've got my buddy, Will Evans, uh, over out in Chiang Mai, Thailand. He is the founder of Chiefs for Men, where they sell, uh, basically, men's facial wash. And so, Will, what's up? Uh, who are you and what do you do, man? Yeah, so what's up? My name is Will. I'm the founder of uh, Chiefs. We sell uh, men's grooming products. Bestseller is probably our face wash, and I've been doing it for about two years now. Nice. And how did you get into face wash? So I was never, like, a real, like, men's grooming guy. I guess. I guess the long story short was... You know, I kind of wanted to start a business and I was I was kind of grew up in like an e-commerce background and we were testing different landing pages and I tested like a SaaS app. I tested like kind of another consumer type product and we tested a face wash 
And the highest converting one was the face wash product. And like, so then I had to kind of go out and figure out how to make these products and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So how did you test out the face wash in the first way? Did you actually manufacture it before you sold it? Or did you have like a pre-sale or how'd you? Basically what we did was uh, we went and got like a stock photo. Uh, well, we, you know, we came up with like a basic concept and then we went and got a stock photo and then we got the design done on the stock photo. And I wrote a landing page and we drove traffic through some blogs and stuff like that and that was the most kind of highest converting one yeah nice and so you've been doing this for two years now is this still your best seller or have you branched into other products too yeah we have two other products and you know we're, we're launching products pretty much every quarter now the face wash is the best seller just because we have an iphone and android application that works with the product and i guess a lot of customers really like that it's like very similar to like a qr code you know if you ever scan a qr code with your phone basically the same uh the upc code is very similar it'll just turn off the alarm clock so what if i lose my uh face wash and i can't find it <laughs> yeah we, we've, we've done a few things like one thing is just turn down the volume one thing is to turn off the phone and then if you kind of plus mess around with it enough um we kind of purposely made it so that it'll kind of like just turn off nice all right very cool and so you've been in this business for two years now, like kind of what size is it at now approximately? Is there like a ballpark range you can give us? Revenue wise, we'll do like twenty to $30,000 in revenue this month. We do online pretty well and we also have a pretty good uh, wholesale business. I'm probably in about say like over a hundred stores now, mostly in the US and then some stores in Europe and Australia tend to be our best places yeah what would you say the mix of wholesale and kind of your e-commerce side is Is it like 80 20 50 50 yeah it used to be like 80 20 e-commerce uh it's been kind of growing now as we launch more products uh the wholesale side of the business because i guess wholesalers and retail stores and stuff like that they kind of want like a full line to display to their customers so you know the wholesale business has been growing pretty good lately cool and how much money did you start this business with has it been all cash flow uh, invested like bootstrap pretty much yeah it was funded entirely by cash flow i think i started cheese with maybe like four thousand dollars and maybe like my friend gave me like a thousand dollars at the very end i'm like hey dude i gotta make this purchase order give me a thousand dollars and so yeah other than that it's pretty much been entirely funded by yeah just our kind of our cash flow nice and so one thing we talked about before starting out was that being able to bootstrap and cash flow business really depends on kind of optimizing your funnel right and so we wanted to kind of focus on that a little bit instead of going through the story because like we said you've done some other podcasts we'll link to those if they want to hear more about the business so you know just from a real top-down 40,000 foot view you know why focus on you know existing customers rather than more traffic because usually that's how you grow your sales right you know what I found is that you know there's a lot of different ways to get traffic you know, and there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast and probably that you've interviewed on your podcast that know a lot about more than I do. You know, you can do social media and SEO and all sorts of things. But I generally find it's so much easier. I don't have a statistic on this, but it's like it, it's the difference is night and day on how easy it is to convert a customer that you already have sold than just a lukewarm prospect or a cold prospect that you get from SEO and pay-per-click and stuff like that. And, you know, Chiefs is a true thousand fan person business. You know, we don't, my list isn't that big. You know, we spend 80% of our time trying to sell to the customer we already have because um, a lot of times you're leaving money off the table. I guarantee you a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably leaving money off the table in their own business and they're not maximizing the customer that they already have first instead of trying to go out and just get more traffic. Okay, and so just to put things in perspective about how big is your list? Then? Yeah, it's it's like literally, it's like about a thousand people. And you're doing 20, 30K a month? Yeah, it's, it's about, a, yeah, we have two lists. So we have like a thousand 
people, I guess I would say that are, that are kind of customers, I would say. That's my list. People that have bought from us through our retail, through our e-commerce store. 100, 200 that are like wholesale kind of people. Gotcha. And so how did you come up to this kind of strategy where you focus on the existing customers? Yeah, I've just, I've just failed at a lot of different things. Like, so for example, my market, there is really no market for pay-per-click with Chiefs. There really is no market with SEO. We're already at the top of the, the page for number one in Google for energizing face wash. And, and like, I didn't do any like shady tactics, you know, we just got to the number one there. And like I said, it doesn't really drive many conversions. And so we had to think of ways that are like kind of outside the box on how to get, you know, customers. And then because energizing face wash isn't, I mean, how many guys A, use face wash and then two, how many of these guys are actually looking for energizing face wash too, right? Not many. And like a lot of times, like the, the, I guess the main keyword face wash like how many people when they're searching that are actually looking to buy a face wash. So how long did you try like this SEO angle before you realized it wasn't working? Because a lot of people kind of, they think SEO is important, but obviously, you know, the on-site stuff is important. But when did you realize off-site wasn't the way to go for you? Yeah, I, I just, I realized like pretty quickly, you know, um, we tried some different things. I've, I've read some things like how to do this and this and that. And like I said, once we got to the first, the number one, you know, we're like, well, what else can we do, yeah. you know? So more specifically, were you just seeing traffic, but your conversions and sales were changing, right? Yeah, exactly. Correct. So what did you do after that then? How did you start looking at other channels? I've tried social media and it's had a little bit of success, but by far the number one way to get bring revenue to my store today is tapping the customer I already have with an email list. It, it, the difference is just like night and day. It's and so what was the first thing you did to kind of approach this customer again? Because say they just bought from you. I mean, are you just hitting them with discount codes or how are you doing this? So we do discount codes. We do uh, price anchoring and stuff like that. We'll do like scarcity taxes. We'll run deals and then we'll be like, you know, it's only it's only available for 48 hours or it's only open to 15 people and stuff like that. And like I said, that just works so different well, really well. We also segment our list too. I do pretty good job of doing that. So if the person's already opened it, then we won't market to them again. So, you know, just really, really thinking about like knowing who exactly who my customer is and, you know, trying to offer them, uh, I guess, services and products that are, you know, that they really, really want. Gotcha. And so there was a post you made in the DC forums where we're both a part of about, I think it was called the art of getting back lost customers and kind of getting repeat once to buy again. So let's just go through that post because it was pretty interesting. I read it again yesterday and I believe it was basically a way to survey customers. You give them a code and then get them to buy again, right? Am I missing something here? Or? Yeah, I think um, so. A lot of people who own, uh, especially, you know, there's a lot of people that probably listen to your store. Maybe there's some drop shippers, but this will probably be more applicable to people who are actually own the product and have it in a fulfillment house or they're shipping it out, uh, you know, their house or something like that. You know, you'll find that your reorder rate probably when you first start is probably pretty low, especially if you're not doing a subscription plan. And you need to find out why people are not buying your product again. Um, now, a lot of times that's pricing. Uh, for I, I literally say for like 80 or 90% of the time. So a lot of times customers will say, you know, like, uh, you know, your price is too high, like it costs too much. And there's a lot of different ways to kind of offer them lower prices without necessarily lowering your price. I think I see one of your facial creams is like $16.99 with free shipping, right? Is this the one they were mainly complaining about or is it another product? Yeah, well, this is another thing. You know, I think that I, you know, one of the things we did with Chiefs, and this is something I realized when we first launched, is that, you know, we're, our shopping cart was getting abandoned like crazy because they were seeing it cost $16. 
And then, you know, it doesn't even have to be that much. It could literally just be a dollar that you have to pay for shipping and people were abandoning. So what we did is we just like baked the shipping price into the actual uh, product price. And I've heard other people talk about that. So, you know, we could probably really sell cheese for, you know, cheaper, but, you know, we just baked kind of the shipping cost into the actual price of the product. And that converts really, really well. And I recommend, you know, everybody try to do something like that with their own products. Yeah, like instead of selling it for ten ninety nine with six ninety nine shipping miles, we sell it for seventeen and get free shipping, right? It's just a lot easier to say yes or no. Exactly. Yeah. And we, and like now we what I've realized is we've had a lot of people kind of abandoned with international because, you know, obviously it costs a lot more for us to ship internationally. So we offered them a deal. It's like, hey, you know, if you spend over I think it's like twenty five dollars then, you know, we'll do free shipping internationally. So, you know, that's another way to kind of increase your transaction size while also offering free shipping to people who are in international locations. All right, so for margin-wise, are you charging a premium above the shipping price or are you just baking it in uh, at cost? We're basically baking it in at cost. You know, it costs me, you know, every I've outsourced my fulfillment and it's actually cheaper for me now because a lot of these fulfillment houses have cheaper rates. Before it cost me about three bucks to ship the product. Now it probably cost me like two dollars and fifty cents to ship, like something like a four ounce bottle of face wash through uh, USPS. Yeah. All right. So let's bring it back to the campaign you talked about, kind of with the uh, the one with the survey. So how did it work from a very top down level? Yeah. So basically, you know, I found you know about a year or so ago, my reorder rate was like eleven percent or something, you know, and it. You know, what we were doing is we were just trying to go out and get new customers every day. Like, let's just go out and get new customers, new customers, new customers, new customers. And, uh, you know, that's like the worst way to build a business. It's not fun getting up every day and trying to chase a new customer. So what was your what was your conversion rate before we get into that? The conversion rate as far as... Yeah, as far as the store in general? Yeah, uh, I think it was about like 2.5%. No, so you need to get you need to get like hundreds of people every day, every week, every month, huh? Exactly, yeah. Why are they abandoning or why are they, you know, not coming back? And you know, if it is pricing, what can we do? What are some of the opportunities we can do to offer them a lower price? And like I said earlier, it doesn't necessarily have to mean just lowering the price of your product. In fact, I wouldn't even recommend that, you know? Yeah. You could build value in other ways too, right? Kind of like bundle stuff or yeah. uh, maybe some informational yeah. guides, some value add stuff like that too. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so how did you approach your existing customers to get them to increase this repeat purchase then? I guess kind of like a two minute summary of the survey and why it worked. So we went into our uh, shopping cart and said, all right, let's figure out every single customer who's only bought from us once. All right, let's export that import that into our, I use MailChimp, create like a subject line that just says, you know, hey, uh, with their first name. So let's say, hey, Terry, here's a $5 coupon from Chiefs. Okay. They open up the email and it's again, like the first name field. You could say, hey, Terry, we want to give you a, a free $5 coupon for Chiefs, or we want to give you free $5. And I've done this a couple different ways. You could put like a picture of a $5 bill. Um, the one that's worst worked the most effectively for me is like taking an actual picture of a credit card, putting the chief's actual logo on the back of it. And you can get like a, a PSD template for a, a credit card. If you have some kind of Photoshop skills, all right. And putting your name here in the expiration date and then putting like a call to action, uh, in that email, basically that call to action button, will just go to a Google form and you're just surveying them basically on why they're abandoning the cart, 
what would cause them to come back and buy from Chiefs every month? Or what can we do to improve our products and services? What can we do to improve our presentation when they open the pro- uh, the actual uh, box when it's shipped to their door? And like I said, I think it, it's it does really, really well. I, I talked to, I think, one of the guys you interviewed for uh, Jeremy from Tradlands the other day, and I think he's using that with some pretty good success as well. So, I th- so you're talking about you're getting like this Photoshop template of a credit card. You're putting personalizing it with the name on it as a gift card. And then when they see it and they already bought from you, like, oh, I might as well click this and use it again because kind of this different angle rather than just the generic discount code that's like, you know, happy Halloween 13, you know, ACD or something like that, right? Yeah, exactly. And then and then once you deliver their, their actual coupon code, another thing we did is, and I think you can do this with some sort of apps, is we just created like the coupon code with their name in it. And that, that converts really, really well. And by the time we got we gave them a coupon code, I, I forget the exact number, but I want to say 50% of them went back and just bought something right away. And if you have a product that has a high margin, like like Chiefs, our products are like in the 70 and the 80% margin, you know, you can just write that off as an advertising expense for me, you know? And now that customer is like so white hot because now he's bought from you twice now. And you've proven that you can get him back twice. And now, like, you know, he's a very, his, I guess, as far as his, uh, on, like, ranking him, you know, he is now, like, a very, very hot prospect for you in the future. And, but I think the stronger point is that you have the data from his survey on why he bought from you, what kind of things he thinks could be improved, and all this other data you can use to tweak your store and your FAQs and all this stuff, too, right? Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, one of the things I've realized is that, you know, you should really take time in crafting your Google form to give you the most amount of feedback. Um, Cause sometimes like looking back on the form I sent a year ago, I'll be like, well, you know, I, I probably would have framed it differently. And now I'm like using different Google forms that are really, really giving me, like when I say Google forms, the questions in the Google forms that are really, really giving me like valuable feedback. It's going to, you know, not only, I guess, find, you know, great product ideas for, for me, but also like really hitting home on what the pain of the customer is and so we can kind of diffuse that so they can come back and shop with us again. So what are some questions you put in now? Then? One of the best ones we're asking right now is like, what's your favorite scent in a soap? Because through all this surveying, I realized one of the reasons people really want to buy from us is they love the scent of our products. And that's something I didn't really realize right away. So we're trying to figure out well, what's your favorite scent, you know? And so we want to create products around what their favorite scent is. If all these customers are saying they love the scent of our products, let's create great uh, smelling products. Um, and then like some other like really, really cool questions we're asking them. And like I said, I can take a screenshot of the form I'm using and you guys can, you know, I can share with you guys. Um, but one of the great questions we ask is, pretend you're a mad scientist. What is the one grooming, you could, grooming product you would make right away? And we just get some crazy ideas, product ideas from that. And then another really, really powerful one is pretend you're a billionaire or pretend you're a rock star with, you know, an unlimited budget. What would make you shop at Chiefs every single month? And just to give you an example of what we did is from doing that, you know, we got all sorts of crazy answers. And one of them was, yeah, I'll shop with you all the time. Do you offer a year supply of Chiefs? All right. And so we're like, all right. And this, I literally just did this like three months ago. We did a, a yearly supply of chiefs. And so a year supply of chiefs right now with all our products would probably cost 200 bucks. So we price anchored it and we said, all right, we'll sell it to them for a hundred bucks. We'll only offer it for 48 hours. And I can link to you the sales page uh, so people can see this. 
So we put a little bit of scarcity into the actual sales page. And it, it makes complete sense for us because that's actually our wholesale margins anyway. And we're getting paid right away. A lot of times with wholesale, you don't get paid. You have to use like net 30 days. But yeah, I mean, we made like two or $3,000 off that within 48 hours. And like I said, that was directly marketing to the customer we already had. And so we're talking about uh, kind of surveying, getting customers to reactivate a little bit. And you touched upon uh, supercharging your pages and content before we got on the call. So you're, we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about your product pages, 404 pages, about pages, and FAQ. So why don't we just go through this list a little bit. Uh, so product page, I mean, how do we supercharge this beyond the generic description? Yeah, so I think especially if you guys are doing some sort of dropshipping business or you're, or you're having an advertise, you're doing pay-per-click, and people are landing on the product page, or you're doing some sort of Google, Google shopping feed, all right, you wanna make sure that page is the best it can be, and it hits on a lot of different elements. So the first thing you wanna do is obviously you want to have, you know, great product pictures, big product pictures. Something I haven't done, but I'm going to start doing in the future is 360 degree product photos. You want to have a clear headline. I've used video. Video has worked pretty well. Uh, if you can uh, develop, put in like a price anchor or something like that, that works really, really well. Um, scarcity, uh, something like, you know, this the deal only lasts, you know, for 24 hours. That works even really, really well. Testimonials and free shipping. You got to find out what your customer's pain points are. For me, it was like free shipping, you know. So we make sure right under our product photos, there's a big, bold, like, uh, text that says free shipping. And then, you know, I think also having an FAQ on the product page works really well. Um, having multiple calls to actions, you know, a call to action above the fold, then kind of walking through the actual features and benefits of the products and diffusing the actual pain points customers have, and then having an FAQ and then having a call to action at the end works pretty well as well. For people who are especially driving traffic to those product pages, not necessarily their homepage, you really, really want to make sure you really, really maximize those uh those product pages. Yeah, it's funny. I'm on your site now. I noticed the free shipping is bigger than the buy now button. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's on purpose because you want people to immediately see the product, know that it's free shipping, and then have no questions about that too. Exactly, yeah. Awesome. And so uh, with the FAQ stuff, how did you get the content for that? Was it just over time that you used customers' questions to kind of recycle onto the product page? Or how did you come yes. up with that? So FAQ for like a consumer business like Chiefs, you know, like it's not like a B2B business where people have these like really complex questions um, or like a service-based business. So, you know, a lot of times you're fielding the same questions, like what's your return policy? What's like your, your shipping policy? Or like, you know, I, my order was shipped or, you know, like how long am I going to get it? You know, or when am I going to get it? You know? So I think if you're asking those questions, you got to figure out, you know, you should, you should go through every single email a customer sends you. All right. And you should probably either think about putting those on your FAQ and then the ones that you like get all the time, you should find ways to kind of funnel those back into a sales page. So if you look at the Chiefs FAQ page, all right, especially the, the, the two questions we get the most, which is, you know, something that pertains to shipping and something that pertains to our, our, uh, our guarantee, all right? Um, at the, somewhere in, that, in, the, in the response is an actual link, all right? And if you click on that link, it goes to another page that is just like a big kind of sales page on, you know, what is our shipping policy? And at the bottom, there's a call to action to get them back to the product page. I tweak around with that a lot. You know, I create analytics, Google analytic goals with that. Um, 
you know, right now we're like, since our best selling product is the face wash, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big proponent of only having one call to action. What you'll find over time is that will actually get you conversions. Yeah, because I see on your shipping page, you also have the add to cart right there too, to kind of lower the friction on going back to the product page and then scrolling down for something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting, definitely got to steal this uh, for myself. <laughs> All right, so next up, uh, 404 page, what's the deal with this? Um, obviously, that's a page when someone types in a URL that I guess uh, is not listed on your store. And um, that happens a lot, you know, and it could happen sometimes where you're doing a marketing promotion and a year later you maybe deleted that page and someone clicked on it. And, you know, you want to make sure you maximize the potential of that 404 page, you know? I keep it really, really simple. You can go to like a 404 page on Chiefs and it, I think I don't, I think the headline says something like, uh, you know, looks like you're lost, Chief. Were you looking for one of our products? And I just have, you know, the pictures of our products right there. And like I said, it drives people back to the product pages. I think you need to have like a goal of your website, you know? What's the goal? And I think every, you know, in an e-commerce business, the goal is to get people to check out. And, you know, you got to always be steering people back to that checkout page. Very cool. Very cool. All right. And so move on to the next one, uh, About Us. So there's a lot of About Us pages I've seen. Some of them, you know, are generic. Some of them are quirky. But, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on this? I think the About page is like for probably most business is like the second most hit or maybe even the most hit page. And so you really, really, really need to maximize uh, the value of that page. I think that, you know, especially in my space, like a consumer good space and a lot of some, some online stores as well, a lot of people just go on these like rants on their about page, like with their vision, they're not really using their customer's language and they're missing out on a lot of opportunities. So if you see on a my about page, we go in to write what their problems are and we hit them with a call to action right away. All right. If they keep scrolling down, we'll also have another call to action to get them to opt in to our email list with a free ebook. So I think that, you know, you really, really need a goal of your about page is to really, really capture somebody, you know? I think you really, really need to maximize that. I was talking to another guy not too long ago about maximizing his about page, and I won't reveal his niche, but basically he's in, he sells furniture, all right? And uh, what he does, and this is this is awesome, he takes a, he does a, uh, an ebook, like on the about page, on how to build your own furniture that he's selling, all right? And then 15 days later, he hits him with an autoresponder that says, oh, hey, guys, uh, looks like that project of creating your own furniture isn't going too well. You might want to come back and check out the products we have on our store. <laughs> <laughs> so he baits them with something if they didn't want to buy, and then he hits them again yeah. two weeks later. That's smart. Exactly, yeah. Very cool, very cool. All right, so we're going through the About Us page now. Uh, kind of, so how, actually, let me, before you get into the next one, so how often did you tweak this about page before you got to this final version? Oh, uh, my about page at first was one of these awful about pages. It went on some rant about me and my story and like my goals and all this stuff. And it just, it just didn't really like hit home to what the customer wants, you know? Um, so it's something I had to pivot over time, definitely for sure. The fourth page we wanted to talk about supercharging is your FAQ. So what's the deal with this page? For FAQ, I guess, it depends on each business. But I mean, I think you really need to go through, and this could take some time, uh, but really go through what your customers' questions are asking. You know, for me, we found that like the one or two questions they're always asking is, you know, what's the shipping policy and what's uh, the return policy? We put those at the top. 
And then also we address those questions and then we kind of try to loop them back into a sales page, right? So if you look on my my FAQ page, you'll see, you know, somewhere in the in the answer to if you, you know, what's our shipping policy and what's our return policy, you know, there's a link and it'll it'll bring it back to kind of a, a longer sales page talking about uh, our actual uh, shipping policy or return policy. And at the bottom, there's a call to action to go back to the cart. So instead of letting people figure out where they go after this, you're looping them back to uh, the product, which is it's like very simple, but it's like it's like the saying, a little hinges swing big doors, right? And if you're just letting these loops hang there, you're losing out, you're putting money on the table. Yeah, it's, it's, it's little things, you know. I mean, if you use uh, Google Analytic goals, you can kind of, create these funnels, you know, and you can see that, wow, I'm actually getting conversions, getting back to what I was talking about earlier. If that just gets you one new customer, you got to figure out your lifetime value of a customer, but that could bring you thousands of dollars over the next year or two, you know? Yeah. And the funny thing is you set it up once and it's basically automated there. Whereas like if you're actively looking for new traffic, new customers, it's a very manual process that you got to go through also. And probably more expensive on your time, money, and energy too. Oh, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. So one thing I've noticed on your homepage is that you've had some good press mentions like a thrillist uh, valet and under 30 CEO. So these are actually really big publications how did you get this uh, kind of within the past two years first off i think you have to have to have the right mindset with the press you know i think a lot of people like try to hack the press or try to like manipulate them and stuff like that um i, I completely disagree with that that mentality i think you need to be honest and give them exactly what you want for or exactly what they're asking, you know, just, just think about like, maybe I got like one or two friends who are journalists, you know, and they're, they're really, really smart people, you know, and they're also like, they're really, really good writers and they're really, really kind of good at like, uh, they're really good people. Uh, I guess, I guess people, people, if, if you could say, I guess they're good at, you're saying they're good at detecting bullshit. Yeah. 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 So, so like, don't try to manipulate them. You know, what you should do is you should give them, if they're asking for something, give them exactly what you want what they're asking for or don't give them anything at all. And so like, if you're going to pitch, you know, on or, you know, Thrillist or under 30 CEO, you know, go on their actual media page or their contact us page and really go through that with a fine comb and figure out exactly what they want and then give it to them and just don't even waste their time. And so that's what I've done. I think another thing you need to do is, is you need to have like a good product too. You know, if you're selling, you know, a product that's not good, and it's not unique and it's not different and it not stands out, then a lot of times they don't want to feature you as well. Some of these blogs like an Uncreate or a Hype Beast or something like that, they're they're really, really hard to get onto. And you know, I guess looking back on it, how I got on there was I uh, I guess I had like a really, really good product, different product to offer. That's one thing. Um, you know, make sure you have a really good product. Uh, and I think another thing is you got to give these guys exclusives. And if you give them an exclusive and put some sort of like time frame on when you're going to be launching it, they won't necessarily respond back, but I think you'll improve your chances as well. So when you mean exclusive just means I'm only letting you, you're my first kind of press re- outreach. I'm not going to reach out to anyone until you decide whether to publish or not. Is that exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I've been featured on on crate, but I've also, I've failed way more times to getting on a crate than I've been featured. So every time, you know, we do a product release, we have a checklist and it's, you know, we have on in that checklist, there's like a media outreach and it's just like, you know, hit all, hit, you know, all these guys we have relationships with. And most of the time Uncrate never even responds back. And that's another thing you have to realize is that, you know, be prepared for these guys to just not even respond back. 
you know, even if you've already been featured on them as well. So how, how many times did you email them just to get on there the first time? I'll email them once, you know, I'll just email them once and I'll be like, hey, you know, here's my name as well. You know, I'm the founder of Chiefs. Uh, you know, we're launching our alarm clock at, you know, noon on Wednesday. And I wanted to offer you the exclusive. I'll put a picture in the email. I'll make it easy for them too. I think this is another trick I talked about before is like, you should go and uh, for, especially for blogs and stuff like this, you should, if you're using Chrome, you should right click uh, and press inspect element and look at the actual photo size of what their actual the photo size of the product is so i think for uncreate it's like 900 by something pixels and you should give them an image that's exactly that that pixel size in a white background or if they're using a black black background give them a black background nice you can say hey i, I went ahead and figured out you know how you guys your images to save you some time i resize it just so you guys can post it on without much trouble yeah just make it like completely frictionless for them for uncreate i see it's just you email the staff at uncreate.com and then that's it does they have like a submission form or yeah at the staff at uncreate uh i forget i forget the guy's name yeah and he he reads that you know i use yesware um which is a tool it tracks to see people open uh, their email. It also can do some canned responses and something like that. Yeah, and every single time he opens the email, but you know, maybe when I'm launching this product this time and he doesn't feature it, maybe that's not exactly what he's looking for this time, and that's okay. Yeah, and are you still doing like a blogger outreach strategy pretty consistently, or are you just focusing on existing customers now mostly? Yeah, we every time we do we launch a product, we normally do like a pro, uh, blog outreach. Um, there's some blogs I actually have some pretty good relationships with. They're not necessarily in the gear blogs because it's kind of hard, you know, to do like market content on a gear blog per se, like Uncreate. If we have like, you know, a guy who's talking about grooming or something like that, you know, we'll normally try to find ways to work with him and communicate with him like that. And, you know, I'm always open to find new ones. But, you know, like I said, I try to spend 80 to 20, you know, the 80-20 rule, 80% of my time on focusing on the on the kind of the customer I already have. Gotcha. And so if you look at your overall traffic for Chiefs, uh, what, what would the breakdown be between, like, say, social, organic, paid, uh, PR, and kind of existing customers? It's normally, like, email works best for us and relationships with bloggers and, you know, kind of their, their kind of channels. A lot of times it's social media, like a Facebook, or a lot of times it's their website, like their blog, like a, a blog post on us. And, and, like, another thing that's worked really good for us, too, is retargeting. But, like I said, retargeting, you already have to get the customer or the, the prospect there in the first place before you can serve them a retargeting ad. Yeah, so let's go into retargeting a little bit because it's kind of a new thing people know they should do, but they aren't really sure. So, I know retargeting, you can now do it dynamically based on a product page they visit, right? And then you can hit them with the ad based on that product. Are you doing that now? I've tooled around with it right now. Uh, but like I had this ad that just works really, really well. And I think, you know, if you have an ad that works really, really well, then you should probably stick with it. Um, cause it's so hard to get a, a winning ad and, and the ad that we have that works better than anything I've tested. is just a picture of my face wash. It says, wake your ass up and ass is spelled with two dollar signs and just a call to action. And it, it, so I'm, I'm continually like trying different things, you know, um, retargeting is definitely going to grow. It's it's definitely like something you can like really, really add into your funnel. Like if you get someone on your FAQ page, you can serve them a different ad. If you get someone on your about page, you can serve them a different ad. There's technology out there if you have a bigger budget where you can do retargeting on actual you know, keyword terms. Um, I'm pretty sure you can even drop retargeting uh, cookies into like a YouTube page or, you know, so if they watch a certain uh, one of your 
YouTube videos on like your YouTube channel, you can serve them an ad. So this this space is like white hot, and it's something that you know I'm I'm really really keeping an eye on, and I think it's something that everybody in who owns a store online should be you know thinking about in the future. Yeah, I think if you could hit people on like the card abandonment page and with like a special ad too, like, yeah, it'd be pretty sweet too. Yeah, like there's a lot of potential. That's kind of creepy, but certainly useful for. A, uh, online merchants. So. Yeah, it, it's 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 crazy. I think uh, the company AdRoll, uh, who who offers one of these retargeting platforms, was like one of the fastest growing companies on the Inc. Five Thousand, either this year or the year before. So, I mean, this this industry, like I said, is just white hot. All right, and so wrapping up a little bit, uh, you talked about uh, funnel reviews. So, when you look at your funnel, are you are friends asking you to do it for their stores now too, or what's the deal? Because you've obviously had a lot of experience with this, getting repeat customers and all that stuff too. I love talking about these funnels. I geek out about them because I think what happens is, you know, like I said, we could talk about supercharging your FAQ page and stuff like that and getting them back to the funnel. But what happens is when you draw these funnels at the top, you know, um, you'll have all these certain things going in like SEO and pay-per-click and Facebook and your email marketing and content marketing and all this Instagram, whatever it may be, you know. And a lot of times people just get like, they just think, oh, like I got to focus on all these at the one time. And so what I started doing is prioritizing, you know, what is the, the quickest and most effective and cheapest way I can get to my goal? You know, I think you should establish a goal first. You know, I think every single time you do a marketing campaign, you should draw out a funnel and be like, what's my goal? You know, um, if I want to do an email marketing campaign, you know, you know, do I want to make 500 bucks? Do I want to make a thousand bucks? Do I want to make zero dollars? You know, or I just, do I want to get people, do I just want to get them to respond back to me just to, to, you know, to kind of check in, I guess, if you were to say, so you need to find that goal and then you need to draw up that funnel and you need to focus on, you know, what is the cheapest, quickest and fastest and most effective way to get them to that goal? And I tell you, a lot of times it's not pay-per-click. A lot of times it's not SEO. Sometimes it can be social media, but for me, it's always been the email list and the customer I already have. And um, like I said, I love geeking out on this. And if anybody wants me to kind of take a look at their funnel, I'll take a look at it for 20 minutes and we can talk about it and chat about it on Google Hangout or something like that. Very cool. So just some, I'm understanding this right. So you're saying when you have a marketing campaign, say you want to sell 2000 you want to get $2,000 back, right? So you would look at your products, average selling price, say my product is 50, I would need to sell 40 products. And how do I get these 40 customers? Do I get them from my email list already or do I get them from social media? And kind of based on my conversion rates, how many people do I need to find any backwards math this into your funnel? Yeah. Exactly. I think there's nothing wrong with like backwards engineering it and just being like, all right, what, what do I want? You know, if it's revenue, you know, what's that number? If it's like shares on our Facebook page, what is that? You know, I think it should more times than not be a sales figure and just figure out what is that going to be? Like the first year I was in business, I was just chasing getting a new customer every single day. You know, like, how can I get a new customer? How can I get a new customer? And a lot of times it just was not working. It was like, you know, stunts I would read about on like warrior forum or in certain forums. It just, they just wouldn't apply to my business. You know, the information I needed to, to figure it out was right in front of my eyes the whole time. And it was, it was through, you know, surveying my customers and figuring out what their pains and problems were. Cause like I said, if you have a customer that's bought more than once from you or bought once from you, like it's so much easier to convert them than a cold leader prospect because they already know who you are. You've are they're already familiar with you. They already trust you, you know, to go all the way through the cart and check out and have them have you ship them a product. And it just makes things so much easier. Yeah. Definitely when you market to existing customers, the 
data is much more granular too, rather than say getting, you know, 10,000 visitors in a month. Well, what happens after that? Whereas, you know, you have a customer base you're working with, you have their names, you have what they bought and I guess it's much more granular to go. This yeah, it definitely is. And yeah, it just, it just, like I said, it just, it just makes things so much easier and it makes your life way more, less stressful. And, and it just shows that you don't need like 20,000 likes. You don't need like an email list of like 15,000, you know, or like, you know, 150,000 per se. You just need like a small list of raving fans. And if you can give them exactly what they're, they're asking, then you can not, not only have a business that survives, but it can thrive as well. Like once you get the funnel down and you got a funnel that works, then you can like focus on, and that's something we want to do, you know, in 2014 is definitely like, you know, how can we, you know, get more people on our list or how can we do X, Y, Z, like get more Facebook fans. But, you know, I want to prove that Facebook works first. I want to prove that Instagram works or X, Y, Z and that it can go through my funnel and go to a checkout before I go just like waste all this time just trying to figure out like, you know, just trying to get Facebook likes or tweets or, you know, like Instagram followers and stuff like that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. If you guys want Will to audit your e-commerce store funnel, he has a URL set up for you guys. So it's blogofthechief.com slash funnel hyphen call. I'll also link to this in the show notes. And you guys can find out more about Chiefs at chiefsformen.com. Get yourself some energizing uh, facial wash uh, if you're a dude. So thanks for listening. And Will, thanks again for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks. I love being on here. And uh, yeah, I'm super pumped. Yeah. Awesome. All right, man. Cool, man. Thanks again. I really enjoyed it. To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at buildmyonlinestore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast.